This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about discernment of spiritual attacks. We are all under spiritual attacks at different points in our lives. How can we combat these attacks? Well, let's find out. Here's Father Joshua Wirth. Hello, this is Father Joshua Wirth. At the time of this recording, I am the pastor at uh, Ellsworth, St. Bernard's in Ellsworth, and St. Ignatius in Canopolis, Kansas. I'm also the chaplain at the Ellsworth Correctional Facility, where I hear confessions say Mass once a week for the prisoners. I'm also co-vocation directors um, with Father Andy. And on top of that, I'm also assistant to the exorcist for the Diocese of Salina. And it's in that capacity I wanted to um, bring another uh, talk to everybody. Uh, I've been hesitant to talk about my exorcism ministry in deeper terms with uh, with the listening area because I wanted to make sure that um, when I give my talks in person, I always want to make sure anybody had any concerns or worries or fears um, that they would have immediate follow-up with that, that they could talk to me afterwards. So uh, this is a little out of my comfort zone for this topic because I don't want anybody to get uh, upset or worried because of this topic I'm speaking of. If, if you are worried, you can contact me at, if you go to web page for my parish, St. Bernard's, uh, just type that in into a search engine, St. Bernard's Ellsworth, Kansas, and you'll find our email for the secretary and for myself, and you can email me a question. Uh, But hopefully at the end of this talk, you'll have most of your your questions answered and you won't need to contact me. So please stay tuned if you have any, if you're worried about anything, so that maybe there's an answer to your your question as part of this talk. So I believe I'll uh, start at the beginning. Exorcism ministry came about because of the devil and his fall. So he, of course, was an angel, one of the highest angels, and he was put to a test that we're not exactly sure what that test was. Some of the mystics and the saints and our poets have said it's something to the effect of that he was shown the plan of salvation, that that um, God was going to, the second person most holy trinity was going to become a human being, and uh, his mother was going to be made immaculate without original sin, and and he's going to bring that humanity back into heaven, and so that the king of, of heaven and earth was going to be a human being, and the queen of heaven and earth is going to be, is uh, a human being, and that for all time, the angels would be serving uh, human beings, and would they serve this plan? You know, it was something of the test that was given to all the angels, and most of the angels, about two-thirds of them, said, yes, we'll serve this plan. We love humanity, and we want to serve humanity. And the devil, Lucifer at the time, was he called, and about a third of the angels said, no, we don't like this plan, because that means that a stinky-smelling human being is going to be our king and queen. We don't, we don't want that. We'd rather an angel. You know, Lucifer was almost like, I'd rather... I be destroyed just with the knowledge of knowing that my my nature, my angelic nature was going to be the king of the universe. You know, take over my nature. I'll give you my nature almost in that way because he just couldn't stand the idea of serving human beings for all eternity. And, and so he said he would not serve God's plan. Whatever that test was, he would not serve it. And sin entered into his heart or his spirit, since he's pure spirit. And when that happened, when sin enters into your spirit, into your heart, well, sin can't exist in heaven, so he had to go somewhere else. And so God actually created hell, kind of a blank space, kind of on the edge of his creation, edge of himself, where only the minimal amount of grace is, just the grace of existing is there. And that uh, he w- placed him in his uh, 
fallen angels, now called demons, were placed there. And it wasn't like a gentle thing, as Jesus tells us in the gospel. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, which is, of course, instantaneous, not like a leaf falling off a tree. But immediate, as soon as that sin entered into his spirit, he had to leave. He had to leave heaven. He was Hell was created for him on the, on the very edge of, of God's grace. The only grace existing in hell is uh, the grace of existence. And so he, him, the devil's demons were placed there. Now, God didn't create all the torments of, of hell. We kind of say, you know, uh, God created hell, but the devil decorated it, right? So he's the one that planned for all this uh, uh, extreme torture and everything in the depths of hell. So, so now what is his plan? Does he just sit down there and stew? Well, partly, yes. But partly he wants to get vengeance on the Lord by getting him either to uh, destroy human beings because our sins are so great, or even destroy the devil because he keeps on hurting those that God loves so much. And even if the devil were to be destroyed, he would have the last laugh saying, "You, I got you to destroy something you created. I got you to destroy something you love. You say you love me, but how can you um, allow me to continue to destroy and, and hurt your, your loved ones, human beings, right? So that's his plan. He can't get at the, he can't get at the boss. It's like mafia. He can't get at the boss, so he's going to go after the boss's loved ones, right? Try to, try to cause so much pain and, and hurt that he will ultimately not win. He can't win against God, but somehow make it so heaven so empty because he's fooled so many disciples into following him into hell so he can have the last laugh. So that's the devil's plan, his attempt, his attack is to just – uh, ruin as many souls as he can, trick them, seduce them, promise them things, even deliver on some of those promises, but they come at great cost of somebody's soul, and so that uh, they end up in hell at the end of time because they chose to follow the devil instead of following Jesus, right? So that's the fall of the the angels. So we call that... Um, now, Lucifer is now the devil or Satan, which means adversary. Satan means adversary. And the angels, the fallen angels, are now called demons, right? And the first way that they injected themselves into humanity, the story of humanity, is, of course, the Garden of Eden, where the snake tempts Adam and Eve and tries to get him to be the kind of the same test that was put to them. Do you want to serve God your whole life, or do you want to be God's and determine right and wrong? Wouldn't you rather have that ability for yourself? And so he tricks Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve rebelled, every, it's like all of creation rebelled with them because everything was built to serve humanity, right? The rains, the, the sun, the, the dirt, the ground, the flowers, the plants, the animals, all built to serve humanity. And now, with the rebellion of human beings, it's like all of creation has rebelled against humanity as well. Like, why do we got to listen to you? If the rain clouds could speak, well, why do we got to listen to you? You didn't listen to God, so we're going to do our own thing too. And we're going to have hurricanes. We're going to have tornadoes. We're going to have hailstorms, right? And the animals, well, yeah, we were supposed to serve you, but you didn't serve God. So now we're going to attack you, and we're going to we're going to hurt you, and we're going to be poisonous, and we're going to be venomous, or plants, or and we, now we got to work the soil, and all these are a consequence of of this sin. So. Since everything was created to serve human beings, and the devil tricked them into, into his drug, which is sin, he becomes a drug dealer almost for the, all of creation. And so if somebody's addicted to uh, the drug that you're, you're selling, then in a way you control everything, right? So all of creation is addicted to sin and the lie of sin and the devil is a father of these lies, well, then in a way, everything, all creation is fallen and from its goodness that it was created in and now is subject to the devil in some way or another, right? So that's why things die. That's why things uh, 
um, don't last is because everything is is mortal now. Everything passes away, including uh, human beings, right? Heard an interesting uh, Father Fred talk about this, that uh, it's great mercy. It's great mercy that God uh, took us away after the fall, took us away from the uh, tree of eternal life because who would want to have eternal life with sin involved? No, we want eternal life in heaven where there is no sin. But we uh, we don't want this life to keep on going. How terrible that would be. That story of Dracula, how miserable his life is because it's an eternal life here on earth with all this sin, right? So that's a monster story that we tell each, uh, each other. Um, how terrible it would be to be cursed with uh, with vampirism where we got to live forever in this um, this fallen fallen place, but instead, so we are given a cure for this fallenness, this drug of sin. So we're not guilty of the sin, but we are born addicted to the drug of sin. That makes sense. So just like um, you know, a child is born addicted to drugs today. Is it the kid's fault? No, of course not. We're sad about it. We're angry about it. Because it was the sin of the parents to, uh, that were handed on to this innocent child. And so in the same way, we are all born, not addicted to drugs, hopefully, but we are born addicted to sin. And that first purveyor of sin, the father of sin, is the devil. So in a way, we're all born kind of under his subjugation. He's a strong man that has protected his possessions, right? And so Jesus speaks of that possession. When he's casting out demons, they question him by what power he does it. He says, I am a stronger power than the devil. You say I am a devil, but why would the devil be fighting against himself? No, I'm a stronger power than the devil. You know, if a rich man has all his possessions under armed guard, heavily armored, it takes a stronger person to come tie up that guard and and release all the possessions in that in that captured place, right? So Jesus is that person that ties up the devil. Jesus uses his power to tie up the devil and release us from enslavement to the devil, right? And he does that primarily through the sacrament of baptism. That's the antidote for the drug. That's what takes us out of subjugation to the devil into the realm of God and gives us all kinds of protections, right? It's like pulling the bullet out of our body. It's like pulling the nail out of a piece of wood, right? Now, it doesn't make us instant saints, as everybody knows, as listening to this. It doesn't make us instant saints when we get baptized. But now we can start the healing process. Until, until that is removed, we are kind of always under the devil's dominion. And then we are... Uh, that evil is removed, and now we can start the healing process of living in God's grace and start growing in God's grace and His virtue and His love, right? And if we just stayed that way, if we never committed a sin, if we always followed the commandments, the devil's powers are are almost uh, minimized to a nothingness, right? But he still retains some powers, okay? So just like when we sin, we don't lose the you know, ability to say we sin with our mouth. We say a lie. We don't lose our power of speech after that, right? We, we don't just drop dead when we sin. Who, who, then thanks be to God. We don't lose our power of our heartbeat just because we committed a sin because then who would survive, right? But in the same way, the demons, even though they have sinned and they are fallen, they still are allowed the freedom of retaining their powers. And what's the power of a demon? It's the same as the power as an angel. So an angel, his power, angel means messenger, his power, his kind of ordinary power that he exercises is um, power of sending message, either audio, verbal messages, or visual messages, right? And then um, some kind of extraordinary ways that He's able, God's able to work through the angels is with healing and rescuing people and uh, fighting battles for people or whatever, whatever it may be. Those kind of extraordinary, we'd kind of say supernatural thing, but their ordinary, their ordinary abilities are 
that messaging power. So images, images and words of encouragement, of faith, of love, of forgiveness, the messages. These are Jesus sending the, us these messages. So maybe we'll just get an encouraging thought or encouraging image will come into our mind or we'll have a great memory will just suddenly pop up. And we can give some of the credit to those things coming into our mind at our hour of need to the angels, our guardian angel, St. Michael the archangel, the other angels, giving us, it's like, hey, remember this when God did this great thing for you? And it will remind us of some scripture or remind us of a great memory or we'll see that memory appear in front of us, right? Or we'll just see in our mind's eye, we'll see the Lord saying, I love you. Right? And these great messages, okay? So the demons, their kind of ordinary power is the same messages, but now they want to do it for humanity's downfall and for their detriment. So it's discouragement and it's and it's impure thoughts and it's impure images and it's unchaste images and it's images of anger and violence and but and betraying somebody, and lying, and stealing, and greed. And so, you know, some of that is just our human fallenness, right? We can't say the devil's doing all that. But, you know, when you're just going about your business, and, um, you know, somebody cuts you off on the road, and all of a sudden you just get this flash of this in your mind, I should I should run this guy off the road. Or, heck, I got a gun in my glove compartment for emergencies, defense emergencies, I'm going to use this to scare them, right? So just those little random thoughts, those random images that pop into our mind for our detriment, we can attribute some of that to the demons, that they are saying, okay, they're in a high-stretch situation. Let's counteract some of the good images and messages they're getting. Let's counteract that with our own messages. So they're able to implant, implant those. They're not able to read our minds. Okay, only God can read our minds. They're not able to read our minds, but they can kind of see if we're playing with, you know, if they send us a impure message and all of a sudden they see a smile on our face or they see us start acting upon uh, messages of revenge, then we can say, they can say from their observation, oh yeah, he's playing with that. She's playing with that. She's not going to uh, throw that away, that thought I just put into her head, right? So they can, and they can hear what we say to each other, you know, what we say to ourselves in the mirror. They know what we, they can hear that even when we whisper to ourselves under our breath. They can hear that as well. So they're great, mess, great observers of human behavior, facial expressions, body expressions, what we say under our breath. So they know if we're playing around with some of those messages that we give. So those are the ordinary temptations that they give us. But those are temptations to sin. That's the main way the devil attacks us. That's the main way the demons attack us. But that doesn't sell very many books, right, or movies. What most people are interested in when we're talking about the devil is his supernatural attacks. It's like his uh, overpowering of our faculties and our body and our voice and um, our words. Uh, what we see in the movies and the books, you know, what we call full possession. But full possession usually doesn't happen from one instance. It's usually uh, a longer process of giving away permissions, giving away interactions, and playing with those messages that the, the devil might give. So, you know, it might be a, he might see that we're in a high-stress situation, so he sends us a little message, curse God, you know, curse God. And maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll drop uh, the Lord's name as a curse word. We'll take the Lord's name in vain. And then he goes, oh, my, my permission to interact with you has just increased. Now do more. Do more. And he'll just give us more in the kind of, well, just temptations, promptings, nudges, the slide down that slippery slide of sin and do more and more and more. And, and the more that we're doing what he's prompting us to do, the more permissions we're giving to the devil uh, to interact with us in a more supernatural way. And then, of course, if we fight those, those are all tests where we can dismiss them and 
beg the Lord for a word of encouragement, and he sends it through an angel, and suddenly we remember a scripture. Suddenly we have a great um, idea or image of a great painting or, or something in our mind that pushes that, that nudging towards evil away. So that's, I guess, the ordinary way that we – it's not really ordinary to us. It's not one of our ordinary powers to implant thoughts into people's minds or images into people's minds, right? But that is one of kind of the ordinary powers of an angel or a fallen angel, the demons, okay? And then the more we play with that, the more that – and then the temptations get stronger, stronger, stronger. The images get brighter. The voices become more often and more powerful and to the point where we could feel like I'm hearing voices in my mind. I'm hearing – I'm seeing things in my mind, okay? So what point do we uh, need to to watch that? First, let me talk about the supernatural, supernatural attacks. So these usually come about, you know, 99.9% of them come about because we have given some entry point for the devil to interact with us in a more profound way. And that is usually by breaking the commandments, so especially the first commandment. So first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. And we all know that, of course. And in that commandment, we're really saying, I'm only going to trust God for my spiritual advice, for my knowledge about supernatural realities, about life everlasting, you know, about life after death, about any other supernatural beings. I'm just going to trust the Lord's scripture. I'm going to trust the teaching of the church. I'm going to trust the saints. I'm going to uh, trust this stuff, right? So we break this commandment when we do occult activities. Occult activities, occult means hidden. So occult activities would be when we kind of want some kind of secret knowledge that we're thinking that God's hiding from us. I don't know why we do it. But we want to know, is our loved one that died, are they in heaven? We want to know that. Or we want to heal somebody in some supernatural way, but we don't want to ask God to do it. We want to ask some other power to do it or ourselves to do it through supernatural means, right? Or whatever it is. So, But occult activity, we would consider the following. Psychics, we're, we're trusting in what the psychic has to say instead of trusting what the Word of God has to say and the teachings of the church has to say. Mediums who uh, are talking to the dead, which we're told we're not supposed to have conversations with the dead, right? Through the scripture, through the teachings of the church, okay? Everything we need to know about the dead, we trust the promises of the Lord that he's going to judge them. And we don't need to know, okay? We know of some people that are in heaven. We call them the saints because they perform through their intercession, miracles have occurred. So God has worked through them after they died to perform miracles. And so we can trust he wouldn't be doing that through somebody that's in hell. We trust that he's doing that through somebody in heaven. And so we say, all right, well, that's proof that they have a pass through purgatory and are in the heavenly realm, right? So psychics, mediums, Ouija boards, of course, is contacting the dead again. Tarot cards is trying to predict the future, control the future. And then any other pagan religions, so witchcraft, Satanism, what is it, Santeria, voodoo, you know, any type of witchcraft or witch doctors or, um, you know, anybody that's trying to deal with energy. You know, Christians don't deal with energy, right? Grace and and sin. That's those are the categories. So you can go into a place and like instead of saying, "Oh, it's got great energy," you say, "I feel I feel God's grace moving through here." Or you go into a place where like, "Ugh, it feels stagnant, like almost like an evil stagnation here." Right? But energies, any of that stuff, we just leave that to to other people are talking about. We don't talk in terms of energy. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about discernment of spiritual attacks with Father Joshua Wirth. We're back. 
back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Joshua Wirth. Discernment of Spiritual Attacks. Father Joshua continues talking about the First Commandment. So those different breakings of the First Commandment leads us to what I would kind of call supernatural attacks of the devil, or another term that you'll hear people say is preternatural attacks of the devil. And these are what we kind of see in the movies. So um, scratching, things moving around, um, seeing things, hearing things that aren't there. And um, of course, always of a, of a usually terrible nature, but not always. It doesn't always have to be a scratchy voice that we hear. Sometimes it's it's a soothing voice. Sometimes it's like, wow, that's an angelic voice that I'm hearing. But um, it's asking us to do something that is none of the saints have ever done. Jesus never did. The teaching of the church have never uh, recommended it. And so we're kind of like, okay, I think this might be outside of the angelic realm because even though it's a angelic voice, soothing voice, it's asking me to do something that the church has forbidden in some way or another. So, but we start hearing it, we start seeing it. Maybe scratches appear on our skin, maybe things move around, maybe we hear things uh, moving around the house, maybe we see things around the house, whatever it may be. Um, so, I'm going to come down with a list of kind of discernment of some questions we should ask um, before we before you contact an exorcist or a priest or anything like that to know if we're we're doing have done something that is kind of gave permission for these stronger attacks temptations to happen so first i would uh ask somebody is uh, is a personal or location so is this happening to your person or is this happening because of the house or apartment you're in right so the easiest test of that is, does it happen when you are sleeping somewhere else? Okay. So does it happen when you're staying over a friend's house? Does this happen when you're at your parents' house? Does it happen when you're in a hotel room? Obviously, if it only happens in that one place, then we're not dealing with personal something or other. We're dealing with location. And I think I'll talk about location, what to do when you've got a, what we call, you know, infested, uh, infested, uh, house or apartment or place. Um, I think I'll save that for another talk, but let's just focus on the personal for now. Okay. So let's say, yeah, you're, you're staying at night at different places and it's still happening. Things are still happening of a supernatural nature. Again, not that you are addicted to sin. We'll, we'll call that an ordinary temptation. Not that you're really, um, are tempted towards sin or, have a hard time breaking off sin, that kind of all falls under ordinary temptations. I'm talking about supernatural things. No matter where you stay, you're hearing things, you're seeing things that aren't that aren't there. Nobody else hears or sees it. And Or maybe you're getting scratches. Maybe um, things are moving around. Things you think you put over here are now over there. Nothing seems to work right. Okay. Uh, especially electronics. Nothing seems to work right. So... Oh, gosh, I'm going to have a bunch of people tell me their computer's busted. It must be the devil. No. Okay. It has to be with the theme of everything else that's going on. And and then other things are kind of just adding to that theme, right? So um, so personal. Let's just focus on the personal now. Now, is it sleeping or awake? This is a big deal because our sleeping brain is really strange. Okay? Nobody even really knows why we have to sleep. We just know if you – if they try to keep people up too long without enough sleep, they start going crazy and they'll die eventually, I think, if you don't get any sleep, right? So we don't exactly know why we need sleep. All we know is that God made us and we need sleep, okay? So um, is this happening when we're asleep or awake? So if it's bad dreams, that could be a multitude of things. That could be um, PTSD. That could be um, some kind of biochemical thing is going wrong. That could be just um, our sleeping brain trying to figure out what happened during the day and, and weird things. So 
um, I kind of I tend to discount if people tell me they had a bad dream because, you know, I think I've had dreams that were attacked from the devil and that might be, um, but I can never rule out that it was just an ordinary, ordinary thing um, that shouldn't. I should just trust on the Lord, say a prayer, and move on. Okay. So, and then the people tell me that they were waking up or they were about to, they were in bed and, but they were pretty sure they were awake or they were waking up. They were pretty sure that they were already awake at that point. I tend to discount that too because when we are, there's things called night terrors, which are where in our sleeping brain is still paralyzing our body so we don't act out our dreams. And some of our dream world is kind of being represented in in the real world. So we're kind of mixing up our room and with the sounds and the visions that we're seeing in our dreams. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard my alarm clock go off my dreams and I get up and it and I thought I was already up and then my alarm clock goes off. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think everybody understands that. So um, I tend to discount that as well. I don't think that's strong enough indication for supernatural attack. And then on top of that, if we're not getting enough sleep or we're waking up too much, and that could be, uh, you know, different breathing problems we're having that we're not getting into REM sleep. Well, then we get uh, sleep deprivation. Well, sleep deprivation brings its own audio and and visual hallucinations with it. So uh, I really discount anybody that is saying, I'm sleeping one hour a night and I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things. Yeah, it's because you got sleep deprivation, okay? So we can't take that. I, um, we, I need to know that you're awake, you're fully awake, you're, and you're seeing shadows, you're hearing voices. Um, that's when we can move on to the next step. And the next step is medical or spiritual. Medical or spiritual, right? So there's a lot of different mental illnesses that present um, as as a demonic influence, right? And in fact, mo- most psychologists, I think, would say, many modern people would say, oh, all that stuff in, in the Bible and all that medieval stuff about exorcism, that was just mental illness, that was just bipolar, that was just schizophrenia, that was, you know, that was whatever, and we just didn't understand it, so we just called it demonic. And they maybe they're 80% right about that. Maybe a lot of stuff we just didn't understand, and so we just kind of read it off as demonic. Um, but there's still there's there's still the devil and his demons attacking people through these supernatural means. So we have to um, we have to discern that. And the way we discern that is we as I send the people to the therapist, I send them to the doctor. I they are required to take the medicine that um, they are prescribed. Okay, so if they're hearing voices, if they're seeing things, and they're taking, and then they take medicine, and then that they're not hearing things or seeing things. Now, would demons be affected by medication? No, no, they wouldn't. Okay, so that'd be indication to me. Okay, well, obviously, the doctors are doing their best, the therapist is doing their best, and still, there's no improvement. So that's when we. While they're seeing the therapist, while they are continuing to go to the doctor, continue to take medication, then and only then would we start working with the the person and and doing um, deliverance prayers over them or minor exorcism prayers with them, and um, that would be something we would do probably on a weekly basis. So and just basically whatever they're doing medically and, and psychologically. So if they're so bad that they need to talk to a therapist every week, see a doctor every week, well then yeah, we'll do prayers every week. If they're seeing their their therapist and doctor once a month, then we can do prayers over them once a month. But that all needs to be done in conjunction. You know, too many people are coming to the priest hoping he's got the magic bullet, that he's got this silver bullet, the magic spell. They it's strange they come from there they come from a magical way of thinking that oh i cast a spell and invited this demon into my life now i need the the priest this high level priest to um say this magic words in latin and that will now 
take the power away from this demon. That, that's not how it works. So exorcism prayers and deliverance prayers, they're not magic words that, um, that uh, destroy the power of the devil. What they are is a relationship with the Lord that brings grace. And demons are allergic to grace. There are some permissions that we give away when we do occult activity, such as even, you know, something as harmless as, as ghost hunting, you know, say professional and amateur ghost hunting. People go to these haunted places, uh, supposedly haunted places, and they say, hey, is there any spirits here? Then show us something, let us hear something. Well, you're giving permission to whatever your spirits or demons are there, demons masquerading as spirits, as ghosts, as deceased people, you're giving permission to them, hey, I give you permission to send light into my eyes or lack of light, a shadow into my eyes. I give you permission to send uh, sound waves into my ears or lack of sound waves into my ears, right? And so we give away these permissions, and so some of the, the extras and prayers is to break those permissions and, and then um, see if the ordinary way of sacramental life, then once those permissions are broken, if they can continue on to a normal sac sacramental life. So most of the time people come to me, I'm hearing things, I'm seeing things, I'm having terrible dreams. I say, hey, um, before we meet, why don't you um, start praying a rosary every day? Make sure you go into mass once a week, of course, on the, on the weekend on the holy days and um, go to confession once a month and then talk to me in three months and we'll see where you're at. And 90% of the time they call me and tell me they're doing great or they don't call me because they're doing fine, right? They're like, wow, I don't know what you did, Father, but you really, I was like, all I did was get you a disciplined spiritual life, right? Where you're praying every day, you're talking to the Lord every day, you're building that relationship. What does that relationship do? Gives grace. What are the demons allergic to? They're allergic to grace. They go, ah, this burns. Don't worry, guys, they say to each other, the demons. Don't worry. They're going to give up after five days. They're going to give up after ten days. They're going to give up after after seven weeks. Right? Just hold on. Right? The other thing that they can do, they can hold on, but also they can, uh, they can especially find refuge in our wounds, especially our unforgiveness. So trauma, sexual trauma, uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, any betrayal that we have a hard time forgiving. So we're, we're doing the sacraments, we're, we're praying, all that grace is being poured into our life, um, but yet it seems like at night we just kind of lose our mind a little bit and we're just filled with all this dreadfulness and just all this, um, all this bad stuff just starts coming back up, all these emotions, all these things. And, and part of that is psychology and part of that spiritual and part of that physiology, you know, whether we got anxiety, depression, things of that nature. And the demons, just because we got a medical problem or a psychological problem doesn't mean we're going to like, oh, leave that guy alone. He's, he's, he's an alcoholic. Like, don't tempt him around alcohol. That'd be, that'd be rude. Okay, that'd be cruel. The demons are like, no, of course we're going to tempt him around where he's weak. All right? So they oftentimes hide in, in our unforgiveness. So we have to go to confession and confess that too, unforgiveness. Father, this person hurt me, and I'm having a really hard time forgiving them. And I still, after confession, I don't know if I will forgive them, but I want to try. That's all you need for a confession is, is a firm purpose of amendment, contrition and a firm purpose of amendment. And um, it doesn't even have to be perfect contrition. It can just be imperfect contrition. And we give that all to the Lord and let him start doing, helping us to for, forgive those people. So then that wound closes naturally. And now the demons that are attached to us, maybe we invited them in through permission. Now they have, um, have uh, found a way uh, to, to no longer find a foothold or, or a hiding place that's been closed up. So now they're just doing it by their, by their strength of their talons and holding on to us. And they go, you know, it'd be much easier to go attack somebody else. Or I'd rather take the beating 
of a failed mission in hell than deal with this anymore. Okay, and then they finally let go, and and it might just be a random day that we're just praying, and all of a sudden. We're like, you know, I haven't had that temptation in a while. I haven't had that negative thought in a while. Hey, I haven't seen that thing. I haven't heard that thing that I usually hear, right? So um, that's the power of just God's grace. And you don't need an exodus for that. You know, mainly what I do and what other exodus do is when they have a, people have a really hard time getting to confession, okay? They're just... They try to go. There's this internal resistance. Uh, they're hearing all this stuff in their head. The father's going to hate you. He's going to yell at you. The devil is kind of making sure that they hear every bad story about a priest and a confessional. So they go, oh, no, that might happen to me. I don't want to do it. And they just um, – and then they try to go, and then their tire breaks down you know, on their car. And they go, whoops, I tried, and I can't get to confession. And – uh, so minor exorcism just says, all right, we're going to break the rust off of this lock. Like, we can't get you in the door because there's too much rust on the lock. So let's break some of the permissions. Let's let's invite the angels. Let's tell some of these demons to leave. And, and hopefully that will break enough, uh, enough of the rust off the lock. So they can get confession, get communion, which is more powerful than any exorcism. And then the sacraments just knock the doors down. So exorcism is just getting the rust off the lock. And sacraments are knocking the doors down. And so that's what um, – that's a simple little discernment we have to make. Is it personal or location, sleeping or awake, medical or spiritual, or both? Some of what I'm hearing now is kids being affected. Um, kids, and I'm, when I say kids, I mean younger than eight being affected in some way. That they're seeing things, they're hearing things. Uh, and that one is a little hard to understand because they can't commit a sin before you know, their age of reason. They can't commit a sin to invite that stronger temptation, that supernatural temptation into their life. So I'm a little confused. Unless they're unbaptized, for most part, you just don't hear about it. I did have one person contact me. They said their kid was always getting up in the middle of the night, maybe f four or five years old, and always pointing, you know, yelling for mom and dad and always pointing to this one corner room that couldn't really talk yet. And... Um, and so I was doing a house blessing, and I was like, do you guys have anything non-Christian in the house? And they're like, well, no, not that we know of, right? Um, and then I went over to bless bless that area and bless the room. And right in that corner that the kid was pointing was a Native American dream catcher, right? Which they just had no idea what it was. Somebody gave it to him as a, as a baby shower gift or something. And... Um, Native American dream catchers, uh, maybe they're just made in, maybe some of them are just made in a, a factory in China. They have nothing to do with Native American religion or anything like that. But also, it could have been made by somebody that believes in that and kind of said, okay, I want the good spirits to be here and, and protect it from the bad dreams. And well, good spirits, if they're not calling on the angels, then who knows who's going to answer that call, right? So Native Americans' religion is a, is a pagan religion. It's a non-Christian religion. It's a non-godly non uh, religion. They, they might believe in a creator and things of that nature, and they might have some of the truth, but it's, it's mixed with a lot of darkness, a lot of lies, okay? So, um, no, that, that shouldn't be in a kid's room. That shouldn't be in a Christian's house, okay? Because you're calling, you're trusting in things that are not of Christ. And that's the first commandment, right? We only trust in, you want something nice for the room? Crucifix. Picture of Mary. Picture of the guardian angel with a guardian angel prayer that they say before they go to bed every night to protect them from bad dreams, okay? That's what we do. That's what we do. So, in kids, it could be 
psychological, could be medical. That needs they need to be taken to a child psychologist and they need to be taken to a doctor, pediatrician that can make sure to do a blood test, make sure they got all everything is uh, producing the right chemicals in their body that they need to grow and be strong, right? Because all that is affected by the fall. All that is affected by that original sin that we're born with, that the nail might have been pulled out, but the hole is still there, what we call concupiscence in in, uh, theology, which is the natural slide towards sin. We're just, no, nobody really wakes up in the morning saying, oh, I can't wait to sacrifice for God today, you know. And uh, really saintly people do because they've spent a whole life uh, disciplining themselves. But most people wake up saying, what can I do for myself today? Well, first I'm going to start with my favorite cup of coffee and my favorite treat and then my favorite show and then my favorite website. And my favorite. So just a slide, just uh, there's nothing terribly sinful in any of that, but just a slide towards selfishness, a slide towards comfort and entertainment and enjoyment. And instead of slide towards prayer in the morning. We pray for all that other, we want all that other stuff instead of prayer. So I think that'll be enough for today. I want to thank all of you for, for joining me today. So hopefully um, you'll find a lot of hope in this message. I don't want anybody to get worried. Um, I don't want anybody to be fearful because I think what I've laid out here is you pray every day, go to confession at least once a month, at least once a year is what the church asks for. But once a month, if it, things are bothering you, you have to go to church at least once a week on a weekend. And you do those things, you're just surrounded in God's love. You're just surrounded in His grace. You're, you're reading the Bible. You're, you're studying the catechism. You're going to the, God's truth for questions about the afterlife and who's going to make it into heaven and, and who's not going to make it. And you're going to the truth for all that and you're trusting only in God and his church, then the devil, he can roar every once in a while. He is like a lion. He likes to roar every once in a while and see which way the bunny rabbits run, right? Do they run towards God or do they run uh, towards something else? And so he'll try to spook us every once in a while, but that's just his ordinary, and he'll try to tempt us towards sin. That's just his ordinary power. But unless we give him permission by breaking the commandments, he really can't interact in, in that more profound way. Yes, Padre Pio suffered terrible things. Yes, some of the saints have, but their, their, theirs was not because the devil was trying to seduce them. They were so holy that the devil was frustrated by them. He was like, if I can keep St. John Vianney up all night by throwing chairs at him in his room or Padre Pio, then maybe they'll only hear 10 hours of confession tomorrow instead of 12. And that person, the devil knows that this person's been thinking, you know, this great murderer, this great uh, sinner has, is about to come in confession next day during the 11th hour of confession. If I could just get them, keep them up all night, and they, can't, they only hear eight hours confession instead of 10 hours confession, then oh, this person will miss confession, will come to the church, find this priest isn't, isn't here confessions, and will go home and say, I'm not going to follow God because he wasn't, you know. So it's a totally different reason that that, that happens to holy people, and and I don't think I don't think that happens to many people. And it's again, it's for a totally, totally different reason. But for what happens to to us on a daily basis is that ordinary temptation. Then if we break the commandments, then those stronger attacks where we start hearing things, seeing things. But again, it could always be medical. It could always be psychological. Those need to be investigated. If you investigated those and your psychologist says, I don't know what to do for this person. If your medical person says, I give them the medication I thought and it's still not helping this person. And if you want to release those, those to me, then you can contact me through the diocese or through uh, my parish is currently uh, St. Bernard's Parish in Ellsworth. And, and we can see if there's something we can do on the spiritual side of things. And most of the time, like I said, it's just living that spiritual life of daily prayer, daily rosary, weekly mass, and monthly confession. And uh, that 
fills our life with grief, healing, you know, forgiving people that have hurt us, healing those wounds, asking Jesus to heal those wounds, fills up with grace. And the demons are allergic to grace. And they said, let's go find somebody else. This is too hard. I'd rather be in hell than deal with all this Jesus stuff, right? And, and that helps so many people, just those, those few things. And very, 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 very rare that um, people need anything more than that. So I hope that helps you. I hope that puts anybody at uh, calm and and that we just have to follow the Lord. That's it. Just follow the Lord. Follow his commands. Follow the catechism. Follow the scriptures. Follow what the our priests and and, and bishops and, and holy fathers telling us. And we'll be on a path to heaven. And the devil will be so frustrated with us that he'll go find somebody else to, to attack. I, I don't want those people to be attacked, but I want them to, to follow Jesus too. But uh, that's the reality of the thing is that the devil is an opportunist. He's not, going, he's not going to waste his time on a lot of people. If they're, all they ever do is every time he tries to spook them, they just pray all the harder. And he goes, ooh, I'm going to stop bothering them. I'd rather they become lax and lukewarm than be on fire because of all the attacks I'm giving them. See? See how he's a strategist that way. So just keep on following the Lord, and you'll be in his graces. Uh, if you've uh, followed this path of discernment and you still want to talk to me, then contact me through the diocese or through um, email at my and my office phone. You can find that on the website for St. Bernard's in Ellsworth, Kansas. Thank you all today, and God bless you. Um, may the Lord protect you from all attacks and enemy, both physical and spiritual. And through the intercession of the Blessed Mother, bring him all closer to her son. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you're a business or service that can support the Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Just give us a call at 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM, Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.